1: Hello, and welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of Viz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co host here on the podcast. Obviously, this is the Road of Viz Overtime podcast. Stealing Bananas is, I keep saying this in my opinion, Sean, the best podcast in the fantasy football space at the moment. You can find Sean and Ben Gretsch there. And the reason I want to bring that up today at the start of the show is sean you and ben did an absolutely awesome show now there is two parts coming out so when people are listening to this part one is out part two will be coming out on friday but looking into the changes in mindset the changes in how adp will shift how maybe you move your process of zero rb or modified zero rb from a best ball mindset to you know i guess redraft or high stakes mindset two phenomenal shows but highly recommend both of those i have to say though uh, thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the uh the Wednesday edition so anyone who is listening to this listen to this obviously then make sure that you do listen to that because uh it is it's going to give you a real kickstart on your your kind of redraft uh, mindset and redraft research so Sean top stuff there but uh as we start today's show how, how are you doing
2: good good and it's kind of you to, to say those things obviously we're biased but it was a lot of fun going through the process with ben who obviously always does a fantastic job and it just really you know got the blood circulating and i'm i'm excited for the redraft time frame it's been you know such a a wonderful offseason doing all of this dynasty and i still have dynasty drafts ongoing obviously have lots of best ball drafts ongoing to now start to bring redraft into it is a lot of fun and Colin, we're going to have a variety of questions today that focus on different formats as well. So to have a lot of different ways to look at fantasy and to play fantasy, I mean, 2022 was such a fun year.
1: Yeah, and I mentioned at the start, obviously, Stealing Bananas. Make sure you're subscribed to that, but make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed and also the Road of His Radio main feed because we have a variety of shows coming out. There is going to be an uptick in in the content coming your way. Myself and Sean are jumping into drafts all over the place all the time, FFPC, Underdog, all the different ways, and we will be posting pretty much all of the drafts we do on those podcast feeds, so don't miss out. Each and every day of the week, you could possibly be getting content from either us, Stealing Bananas, or of course all the great shows up on of viz Radio, including the flagship show with Dave and Curtis. But Sean, you teased it there. We are going to look into a variety of topics on today's show. We're going to start off, though, it is Scott Fishbowl week. It is the kickoff. A lot of people will count that as the, the kickoff to kind of the fantasy football redraft season. And um, we'll run through a little bit of information on our teams. Some teams I'm looking on Twitter, we're seeing 11 rounds, 12 rounds, 13 rounds done. And then, you know, we're we're talking here to Sean Siegel, who is three rounds deep in the uh, the FFPC tournament. He is drafting from the 112 and his draft. I am drafting from the 108 in mine, and it's been a, a fun run. Um, I'm getting a little bit of a stick on Twitter. We have a a group for our team. The group for uh, our draft, sorry, may think that I need to get some group therapy based on the way I kick things off, but... Um, Sean, I hope I hope this team is gonna, is gonna do the road of his OT listeners pride. So 108, we have Justin Jefferson. At that point, I was between will I take Cooper Cup or will I take Justin Jefferson? All the quarterbacks outside of Jalen Hurts were off the board that I would be kind of thinking about drafting in that range. Skipped on Hurts, took Jefferson. Lo and behold, Stefan Diggs goes off the board as the wide receiver two. That gives me an opportunity to get Cooper Cup in the second round. Comes back around, we get Devontae Adams in the fifth round. CeeDee Lamb was the uh, 6th wide receiver taken in this draft. Jamar Chase was the fourth. Adams was the fifth. And then in the eighth round, we get Deebo Samuel, Sean. And we've got a tight end in the fifth round, and it's TJ Hawkinson. So uh, we're off to quite a heavy wide receiver start. But in a format like this, I think getting those guys who are going to be guaranteed the massive volume and then um, you know the upside of them as well so I think I think f- looking back were they the they were four of the top five I think wide receivers uh, in 2021 so an interesting start but staying true to the brand here
2: yeah and we always talk about getting six of the top 15 wide receivers but Colin you may end up getting six of the top 10 when it's all said and done. <laughs> this is a, a fun zero RB start and we know that zero RB has worked out very well in the fishbowl recently for a lot of uh, rotoviz writers and folks who have been connected to RV in the past, uh, both in terms of wins and in terms of becoming that drafter who is the last one to take a running back, RV related folks have have obviously been in the mix for that over the last several years. Hassan wrote a fantastic article on SFB. And since as you know, so many of these drafts are are kind of in the middle, if you are trying to figure out what to do, as you progress from this point, definitely check out that piece from him. He brings in some cool information from Mike Beer, some cool information from Matt Spencer. Talks about how he's played the tournament in the past, used some of our tools to demonstrate kind of where the pockets of strength and weakness are, allow you to attack it in that vein. Obviously, it was fun for me to chat a little bit with Ben. Before the show yesterday, we decided not to do it for uh, – The actual show portion since they were doing a ship chasing episode with Hassan that was going to focus on that, but obviously, Ben has scored extremely highly the last couple of years and has taken a QB and then wide receiver heavy approach. He was looking to draft Patrick Mahomes, did that, and then came back with some of these wide receivers as well. Colin, when you were on the clock. You mentioned that the big six really were gone at wide, at quarterback, and then Jalen Hurts is often in the mix there. If you look at his best ball and early redraft ADP actually going ahead of Joe Burrow, he's a different type of quarterback. Some of the elements may not play up quite as well in SFB, but the fact that he's such an elite rushing quarterback and is going to run for points in general and for first downs, you mentioned you considered him. How close was it between Jefferson and Hurts?
1: It was very close. Um, What I'm thinking about is, obviously, the scoring form, Matt, sometimes in SFB, (laughs) it can be hard to make all the mental calculations in your head to to decide with the the quarterback scoring the upside. So a little bit of concern maybe around the completion percentage and the incompletions that you could end up getting. If they're a a low-passing offense, that could be the concern there. I was very, very close, but I just thought, rather than chasing the six guys that I would have taken – I was just going to go and take the the wide receiver, the first wide receiver. And I didn't think it was going to be a case then Cup would come back to me, which was obviously very nice. I was between Cup, Jefferson and Chase um, at that point. And then to get two of the three of them um, was really strong. Looking then at the other options that I was interested in, I would have been interested in Lance as well. Lance went at the back of the second round in this draft. And obviously with the third round reversal, I had some hopes that he may last to me. And um, then Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr went off the board before the Devontae Adams pick in the in the third round. So, at that point, then for people who've been listening to Hard Draft Sean over the the last little bit, we've been getting you know slots in these super flex drafts at the back end. We've been kind of punting quarterback. And once it went really to that Joe Burrow pick, I kind of thought if I don't take Hurts here, I'm probably punting the other quarterback. Then after that, that had interested me was uh, Justin Fields, but. I did pass on him to get Samuel with the hope, or sorry, to get Adams with the hope that he may come back, but that didn't materialize. So I am going to be really struggling at the quarterback position. Uh, we'll see how that plays out as the the draft goes on. But you can start seven wide receivers in this format, so I think you know having those guys in every week could be another way to attack it. So we'll see how it plays out. But looking at that, Sean, uh, probably do need better quarterbacks than I have on the roster so far. <laughs>
2: Do you consider Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers at all there in round two? Because of the completion percentage, they were two of the higher scoring players last season. Both of them now missing some wide receivers, and that could have a fairly significant impact on what they do this year, both in terms of efficiency. Perhaps we see those completion percentages drop as Aaron Rodgers is dealing with an entirely new cast of characters in many ways. Obviously, Alan Lazard. still there, still generating a little bit of interest. Tom Brady losing out on Antonio Brown, who probably won't play this season, but then Chris Godwin not expected to be healthy for the first you know half to two-thirds of the year. And so the volume in both situations may take a, a little bit of a step back as the team may try and control. The Green Bay Packers have always been a control based team where they're one of the slowest teams to the line of scrimmage. The Buccaneers, obviously one of the past heaviest teams in the NFL. We would expect a lot of that to continue. And yet with the way that Leonard Fournette played for them last year, at least the way that they seem to perceive him playing, you could see that become a little bit more run heavy at the same time that maybe Brady struggles a little bit. Is that what took these two guys off the board or, or is it just that they're not quite as fun as selecting Cooper cup?
1: That's two of the things. That, so the information that you're after sharing was part of the reason. The other part was you no, know, it's maybe just not as fun as drafting Cooper Cup. So I was joking with Pat Corrane when we did the Tuesday live stream on the road of his YouTube channel with Zachary Kruger. We drafted him and the underdog puppy, and uh, I was talking to him and that just about you know some of the upside of these players and the fun and some of the thought process we put into. Drafting a player in the Scott Fish Bowl, which obviously is for charity and the elements of it are absolutely fantastic. But we're making these like trying to crunch all the numbers, make the decisions, and then we're playing <laughs> some of these more high-stakes leagues, and we're just like going with the flow with you know our guys. And I just felt like in this I was going to have some fun as well. And you know, if I passed up in the quarterbacks, we're gonna to, to really go in and, and just have some fun with it and see how it plays out. So Rogers, I think the slow pace is gonna be a big concern. I also think like losing Devontae Adams. I think the offense will be fine as a whole, but I don't think we're going to see. You know, I would be surprised if we see a forty touchdown season out of him. And I think we keep saying it, and it's at some point it's going to happen. Brady is going to, it's going to fall off. It's going to, like it's not going to just keep happening and happening and happening. I'm probably going to be wrong for the next six years, and then in seven years' time, that will be the case. But um, yeah, just just thought it was more fun to the cup is probably the the true reflection there looking at your team Sean through those first three rounds spot 112 Christian McCaffrey followed up with Cooper Cup and then in the third round reversal gets Kyle Pitts, so you get that elite tight end how are you feeling so far how's the draft playing out and I want to give a shout out to my team or my league is uh, Ireland so I was pushing for a live draft in Ireland we didn't get that to happen but we have uh, the Dublin Ireland division so a lot of Irish guys in their fun times we also have scott porter in there who is of friday night lights uh fame among a couple of other shows so we're having some fun conversations in there around some of his shows and such but yeah it's a real a real fun draft crew that we're in with uh, in the dublin ireland division but sean your thoughts so far as as your draft progresses yeah it's really cool
2: to see that in terms of your division there uh, i selected the 112 uh, again kind of to put myself in this situation where i could just avoid quarterback and have a good excuse to do so (laughs) draft a little bit of an unusual team and try and hit on some of these qbs late so i started with christian mccaffrey cooper cup i i really wanted to start with jamar chase there but in a charity format like this i thought mix it up a little bit try and keep cooper cups adp high for everything try not to to lift chase too much now i mean he's locked into the 1-0 Five one oh six 106 range in most of the formats we're playing so it's not going to really affect that but because i expect to get so much exposure to chase i did want to mix in cup here coming off of one of the all-time great seasons and then coming back in round three it was a difficult choice because trey lance is probably the way to go but I did want to take Kyle Pitts. One of the things we see in this format is that the elite tight ends separate just like in all formats. And I think that Kyle Pitts has a very good chance of being the overall tight end one this season. In order to build a team that is both unusual but has extremely high upside, I'm going to need to have some luck at the quarterback positions later. This is a format that really punishes you. And it's one of the reasons why so many of the good teams do start QBQB and then draft extremely well from there. One of the things that Hassan mentioned in his article is that if you don't, Lock down even that QB two, that's the position that will come back and give you problems. So taking a lot of risk, but I wanted to draft three players who I believed have a very easy path to be the number one player at their position. I could have the RB one, the wide receiver one, the tight end one. That seemed like too fun of a way to start to not do it. And now we'll see what quarterbacks and what sort of mix of players we'll wrap back around. I think as we're recording that I'm getting pretty close to my pick in the fourth round. So I'll have to make that decision of, you know, do I go QB at the 4-5 turn or do I continue to sort of play chicken with the group knowing that so many other drafters in my league have taken quarterbacks and see if those players fall to the 6-7. Some of that will depend obviously on just how strong... The non QB options are. We talk about in so many different formats that you want to take the quarterbacks when you have a flat board at the other positions. That obviously applies to SFB as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, Sean, we'll just reiterate to the the listeners we do like quarterbacks. We will draft them at some point. But for our recent drafts, we've been (laughs) pushing the boat out as far as possible on quarterbacks. Some of the options available, Sean, for me and for you as well, I would believe at this point are going to be the likes to. Ryan Tannehill who you know these are the guys we haven't been excited about Matt Ryan but we could be into the the Geno Smith sweepstakes to Baker Mayfield you know Daniel Jones Zach Wilson they're kind of the guys that we're probably leaning into but we'll see how it plays out and you mentioned hoping that some of the guys fall that's kind of my approach when I was taking Samuel when I was taking Hawkinson is versus the quarterback options you could be taking like a Matt Ryan at that point we'll see if they can fall a couple more rounds and how it plays out so It's going to be interesting. We'll we'll update everyone next week as to to how it finishes out. I'll hopefully have my draft finished. Maybe at that point, Sean will probably be in the sixth round. So we'll we'll see. He'll be able to use the, the ADP in my draft to see how it goes. But we're going to get into some listener questions. We're going to do it right after this.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. you need indeed.
1: So, Sean, the first question comes in from Brandon, and he's obviously we get a shout-out here to to Zachary Kruger as well. So he says, hey, Column, love the pods with Sean and Zach. Keep it up. He says, as you're transitioning into redraft content in July and August, I have some questions I'd love to hear your input in. Hopefully others have these as well, and it could make for some good podcast material. So we're always looking for questions. And I would, again, plug Sean's uh, show with Ben that came out this week because it really helps for this for a redraft mindset. But this one is actually – looking a little bit more into auction. So he says, how are you approaching auction drafts this season? Are you waiting for values? Are you going stars and scrubs? You know, four wide receivers in that tier two range, he said, et cetera, To see how to kind of build things up. So a couple of different approaches you could have there. He said, would love to hear your strategy and why you're approaching it in that way. And then the second question, we'll take these one at a time. The second one is, how would you change your strategy in a two running back, two wide receiver, two flex and a half ppr system versus two running backs three wide receivers and one flex and one ppr so we'll kind of probably switch between them both sean but i've mentioned a number of times that we do tend to get some auction questions or they are more niche but becoming more popular as we branch out into various different types of leagues and more people are playing fantasy football auctions are getting more popular i always give a nod to dave Cabin, who i think is one of the best guys in terms of auction strategy and value in players in auctions i don't play in a lot of auction leagues so i'm going to sean take this question in general but my approach anytime there's a format like that is to try and take your overall budget or the salary allocation that you're going to have and kind of divide that out round by round and then approach it kind of similar to a redraft league but trying to you know get the the value so you can put a lot of the zero rb elements into modified
2: zero rb and etc but sean what's your thoughts are you playing in, in many auction leagues this year i have a lot of auctions in the kitchen sink leagues and these are a little bit different because they're slow auctions and they're dynasty auctions but you can take a lot of the sort of foundational tactics and use them in any type of auction and the big thing is just that you do want to have a sense of what you're willing to pay for players and what you think the scale is matt spencer has also done some cool work about this on the site you can check those out uh, when you click on his name in the archives but you can also use our rankings and our tiers and one of the things in the dynasty side you can see how those tiers correspond to what we believe the trade values are on the redraft side you can think of this in terms of the sliding scale and how that would sort of reflect from dynasty back into redraft and how the top players are worth so much more and so you need to kind of plot this out and make sure that you have a sense of where you're willing to go on players because your auction is going to happen fast and furious if it's a live auction to where you need to know if you're willing to push on the stars or wait for them the worst thing you can really do in an auction is to be patient and then end up with so much of your budget left at the end that there's not really a way to spend it Even though it can leave you with less leverage in the middle of the auction, if you get some of the stars early at discounts, then you're set up to do a lot of different things. And one of the things that you'll find is that these guys then at the end of the draft, you can get a lot of values for one or two or however your particular league is using the different units, whatever the kind of minimum is, you'll find that that actually buys players that you like. And so you can fill out your roster in that fashion, but knowing what the values are at the beginning is crucial because in some drafts you're going to have aggressive players who push those up and want to get their guys early. And so the values aren't there and you don't want to overbid and, and put yourself in the situation where now you do have a star, but you're not going to have depth. One of the things we talk about and really in all formats is that depth is very, very helpful. Being able to win the race to the flex, all of those kinds of things. But If people are trying to wait and see what others are doing, wait to see how the market kind of sets it, the values will really happen in those first 15 minutes and you have to either buy then or you'll miss out. And so setting yourself up to to where you know what you're willing to pay is a crucial amount. You can't wait on the other members of your auction to give you a sense of what the prices are. That won't work. You're going to come down to the end and you're going to find that a lot of these guys who are in the middle to late middle are vastly inflated compared to where you actually had them if you go and look at how those values how those prices should decline throughout the tiers again that you can see in our redraft rankings the other part of this that's really interesting is if we have a two running back two wide receiver two flex half ppr as opposed to the two three one and full ppr i mean there's a huge difference and even though it's kind of set up for best ball if you go in and play with the win the flex tool that blair andrews has put together you're going to be able to see that now Connor O'Driscoll has put together some really cool work on sort of the running back dead zone, that third wide receiver and underdog, how the third wide receiver with the half PPR format works in this situation. Obviously we don't have the third wide receiver. We have the two flexes and we have half PPR. When you put that into the, win the flex, what you see is that the running backs become far, far more important than they do in a lot of these formats that we're playing where they're essentially two running back, for wide receiver formats. The one described here is gonna be much closer to a four running back, two wide receiver format, and that will dictate uh things that you wanna do in the auction. And that will also create a little bit of a shift in terms of how you're looking at running backs versus wide receivers in the tiers as well, because it's, it's not set up for half PPR and for a two, two, two. Right. But within that, you can see how we've ranked the running backs relative to each other and ranked them within tiers. And that's gonna give you a sense of how you wanna go about this. Now, the thing to realize is that even in a context like this, some of the tenets of zero RB still apply because you're still gonna have a lot of running back injuries and you're still going to have a situation where the elite backups and even the playable backups are going to be able to take over roles and score points in a way that you know deep receivers are not. And so there's still a dynamic where perhaps you want to have a couple of star running backs and then you want to have a good pocket of those sort of zero RB candidates, the guys who can come out and be this year as Cordero Patterson and Devin Singletary and Rashad Penny, sony Michelle, Leonard Fournette, those guys. So it's not something where you shift and then spend all of your money at the running back position. But it is a very different dynamic and you want to address that and, and be aware of that as you play it. The two 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 with half PPR is going to be sort of a running back centric league, but one especially within the context of an auction where if you're targeting specific values and specific players that we like. And one of the things that you can do is if you don't need quite as many wide receivers is you can get that star and then you can really load up on those rookies in auctions i expect them to be underpriced if not exactly the same way they currently are in redraft or in snake then in a similar type of way
1: really good really good information there and hopefully you know brandon and anyone else playing in auction leagues will use that to their advantage but there's a lot of parts there outside of the budget element to the auction part of it that again crosses over throughout any format that you're playing and that's why it's so vital to understand your lineup requirements the flex positions the point scoring and so on to uh to give you that great advantage against your other i guess 11 and average uh, league mates thank you branton for sitting in that question the next one comes in from jeff davidson he said he works in equities so he says in an efficient market the best predictor of a stock or a bond price is current price so what it currently is that he said fantasy football adp is looking more efficient each and every year of entering a tournament doesn't it make sense to wait until there aren't many entries left so coming up to the closing point of a tournament or i guess when there isn't many more we're seeing that with drafts like you know the underdog puppy one fell the underdog puppy two is now opened so you may be coming into that closing element of a contest as well but I think what he's mentioning is you should have more information as the, the time progresses versus when the field is drafting at its earliest point. So he said, sure, there are some exploitable inefficiencies in ADP at times, but each day we get closer to the season, ADP reflects the news, injuries, trades, coaching changes, and so on. So what's your thoughts, Sean, on, I guess, We've had a, a great amount of information, particularly from Michael Dubner. I had on a baseball show with him talking about the barbell approach and when to draft and things like that. But I guess we could turn this into something like the main event. So the FFPC main event, high stakes entry, we're drafting the teams. Any priority of drafting that in early or say mid-July? I know there's slow drafts at the current moment, but the, the advantages of drafting that versus drafting it, Let's even go as far as the after the Thursday night game, which you can do in the FFPC main event after the Thursday night game of week one.
2: Yeah. So this, this question is right on in terms of talking about some of the advantages that you can have in some of the trade-offs that occur. One of the reasons that Dooner has discussed the barbell approach. I mean, number one, just that that's what history has strongly suggested to us happens that very early and very late, you get the best results very early. There are a lot of exploitable elements in ADP and those get tighter throughout the course of the off season, but they get cut tighter in this range where there's really not a lot of new meaningful information. And so the information that will come later that will actually help you draft more efficiently isn't there, but all you're doing is drafting with ADP that has a lot of the exploitable opportunities taken out. So when you go through this kind of dead period it's still a fun time to draft there are still things that you can do i wouldn't discourage people from necessarily drafting there i think you just need to know what types of draft tactics are going to work and that's one of the things that ben and i talked about sort of on the redraft show as well is how do you need to draft depending on what time of the year you're drafting because there are different strengths and weaknesses at different points then once you get into the training camp and the preseason, news is coming fast and furious we get a sense of which young players are really ascending or are catching the coaching staff's eye and look like they'll be able to contribute right away. We get a sense of which players are healthier than others. We get a sense, perhaps, of which teams are taking new offenses and new quarterbacks in a way that is successful and which ones, at least according to the beat writers, appear to be struggling. Then you go into the preseason, and at times you get even more information. Right now, in so many situations, the number of fantasy relevant players who are actually playing significant snaps in the preseason isn't particularly high, but you go through that stretch and you do get more and more information. And I think especially around 11 through rounds 20 get to be a lot tighter. And so you're having a lot fewer misses. Now there are different advantages and disadvantages there. So again, there are some trade-offs if you have a draft that's early and you know, two or three players who end up going in rounds 13 and 14 aren't drafted at all. And then you can take that. And if you, have that aggressive mindset you believe that these players are going to be big impact guys you can spend a huge amount of your free agent budget and suddenly it's like you've got an extra player so that can have a positive to you but if you're doing something like zero rb one of the reasons that you know we have zero rb lists at different times of the year is we do get a lot better sense of maybe how around 17 through 20 which players you really want to stack in there and which players you don't really need to load up on because they're not going to be guys for the first two or three weeks that doesn't mean that they won't be free agent acquisitions at some point but if it makes sense to roster a wide receiver or this particular running back or this particular tight end to see if they actually perform in weeks one and two knowing that they're a likely cut and then you're going to fill back in with running backs who come up to deal with injuries so there are a lot of different elements there in terms of how you play some of those late rounds and then there are a handful of guys who get hurt you don't step on those landmines, at least from a preseason perspective, if you don't draft until the very end. You know, if you draft and then Travis Etienne goes out, I know that in one of Ben's drafts last year with some of his buddies, they drafted a main event and then etn was injured like within the next 48 hours. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a real gut punch. You feel like the wind has really gone out of you because you've lost a, a fourth or fifth round pick and it's hard to get that back. I mean, it's such a, a valuable player. Now, I've had plenty of teams, lots of other people have had plenty of teams where even like the second and third round picks do end up getting lost and you have to be able to cover that. But even getting a month's worth of production from them before that happens can be helpful as you move on and you identify some of the players, some of the emerging stars who are going to take their place. So yeah, there's definitely a value to drafting later and some of the best teams that I've had, I don't think any of the ones who finish in the top five necessarily, but one of the teams that finished third overall in the regular season was a team that I had drafted after the original Thursday night game. And one of the things that I did there was take advantage of the fact that Peyton Manning had <laughs> had passed for just some ungodly number of touchdowns and points. I mean, he may have had a 50, 60 point game. And so you plug that in when he falls to you at the the one, two turn, even though you know that probably some other quarterbacks are going to play well, but I mean, this is kind of in a time period where, you know, we didn't have the elite QB in exactly the same way. And there were questions, well, you know, do you want to just wait till the very end? But seeing him play with those guys, it wasn't just the game, but the fact that, okay, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, this looks like one of those unstoppable offenses of all time. You have that information from the first game. You also have the points from the first game. In many leagues, he actually went in the first three or four picks. I had, I think the 112 and took him, You know, after I had selected perhaps Des Bryant or uh, some star wide receiver at the very beginning, ended up with a team that had six of the top 15 wide receivers and had Peyton Manning and had Le'Veon Bell. And so, in that case, having seen the Thursday night game really helped. If you have some players you like in that Thursday night game, though, it can be very helpful to draft ahead of time because if they do hit, then you draft after that Thursday night game and you're not going to be able to afford them anymore. You're definitely not going to like the prices that you get. So a lot of it's going to be strategy specific. It's going to be player specific. And I think mixing the tournament entries at different times can be helpful too, because you can get better prices on some of your players in different windows than others. You mix things up a little bit. One of the things that we talk about and is a big talking point in terms of fantasy in general is this idea of diversification of portfolio and that type of thing you can do that by selecting players that you don't like or the players that you think really aren't that great of value but you can also do it by drafting at different times and getting you know really some widely ranging prices on the guys that you do like because then that's obviously going to create different teams around them as well and some of the uniqueness or some of the specific combination you hit on the guys in that particular draft you need it can work out well for you so i definitely think that this uh, what Jeff is saying here is it very much along the lines of things that we see all the time, but I wouldn't necessarily encourage people to, to stop drafting until the very, very end because there are some really cool things you can do up until that time. And then just a lot of it, obviously, is for fun. And so you want to spread that, spread that fun out. Yeah, a lot
1: a lot of it is for, for fun as well. But you a couple of examples there. You mentioned the Pitt and Manning one after the Thursday night football game where he puts up a ton of points, you get them in your lineup. The other ones that we've talked about, and this may or may not work out, come season's end but you've talked on the show here a couple of times about some hyper fragile bills where you've got you know three absolute star running backs in those first three rounds and at the start Saquon Barkley was the third running back in those couple of different times and obviously that isn't available now so the market becoming more efficient based on where the ADP should be is something that you cannot take advantage of that any longer. So there is the advantages to drafting earlier. There's the advantages then, obviously, to waiting and having all that information. If we go back to last year, for example, too, in some of these leagues, I would say, Sean, I could be wrong on this, but up until at max two weeks before the season, Carder Patterson was going undrafted in pretty much every league, and then he started to go in the 20th round, and he might have maybe finished in the 18th round. But any team who drafted prior to two weeks before the season he wasn't on it and that's the same then if you even take it from a non-managed league or a non-redraft league to a best ball league if you are drafting some of those players that means that those other teams that drafted before I guess aren't going to have them but if you have them on your roster again that's giving you a huge advantage throughout the season prior to maybe getting to the playoffs so there's a number of different ways it can be played and I think playing it like Michael has suggested in his articles of going at it a little bit heavy early on when there is those efficient or inefficiencies then drafting a little bit throughout the process and then at the end going heavy again i think you get the best of both worlds with with that approach but really interesting question coming in from jeff we like those questions that you know and and i've mentioned this on the shows before a lot of our listener questions really make us think out of the box and um you know get good conversations going. So thanks for sending those in. Anyone has any questions, you can send them my way on Twitter at to or you can email them over at radio at gmail.com. Where we have a backlist. Usually, you know, Sean, we started this podcast two years ago. If you sent a question, I guarantee it was getting answered. Now it's like we may get to it at some point. But it's great to be getting all these questions and Send them in. We'll we'll try and implement them into our shows over the coming Weeks and months, but really fun show there. Breaking down some listener questions, talking a little bit about Scott fishbowl and of course, we're going to be getting some drafts going over the coming days. We will have a Saturday show in which we are going to discuss some dynasty questions that were submitted by listeners over the the last kind of month or so, and then we are also potentially going to do a draft over the the next couple of days. So be subscribed to get that. But we are drafting in the one hundred and twenty five dollar FFPC contest potentially again this weekend against some of the listeners so we will have those coming out as well so when we get into some of these higher stakes drafts you're getting all the information from sean and myself who we are targeting who we're trying to draft so you won't want to miss those drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app we would appreciate that greatly we've seen an uptick in the, the reviews left over the last month but if you haven't done so please drop one on the road of his overtime podcast feed that is going to do it for today's show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and check out all of Sean's work up on Roadways.com. And until we're back with another show, have a good one.